All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today is part two of my conversation with the touchdown wires, Mark Schofield, talking about this 2021 quarterback class, focusing today on Trey Lance and Justin Fields, as well as the team that Mark covers in the New England Patriots, possibly being in the mix to come up for one of these quarterbacks. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at FalcFans.com, RIP. Still going strong on Twitter at FalcFans. And, of course, the host of this preeminent Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's guest is none other than Mark Schofield. You heard him on Friday's episode with part one of our quarterback breakdown of this upcoming draft class, focusing on what many people believe are going to be the first three quarterbacks off the board in Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Mac Jones and their potential fits with the teams that are picking top three in the draft. And today's podcast may be talking about one of the quarterbacks that should the Falcons choose to go uh, in that direction at pick number four might be the guys that they target in Ohio State's Justin Fields and North Dakota State's Trey Lance. And we'll be focusing quite a bit on those two guys' projections to the next level. We'll also ask Mark who he thinks among sort of the next four, if you want to call them the group of quarterbacks after the quote-unquote big five at the top of this draft class, who among those next four guys could be sort of the best consolation prize for quarterbacks that miss out on the big five. And Mark covers the New England Patriots at various places and will get and pick his brain about whether or not the Patriots, after being very proactive in free agency, are going to be proactive come draft night and make that move that I think a lot of people are hoping for arguably even myself um, arguably, yeah, arguing with myself as I do every day on this podcast, but arguably myself uh, wanting them to make a big bold splash to come up for a quarterback and, and essentially save the Falcons from the civil war. That's currently embroiling them over to take a quarterback or not to take a quarterback and just take that question completely out of the mix because basically let's just throw first round picks at you so that you don't have to make that choice. Uh, so we'll get Mark thoughts on that very subject. So without further ado, let's jump into that conversation with Mark Schofield of touchdown wire at USA today. All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and I am once again joined by Mark Schofield of touchdown wire to talk about the top quarterbacks in this draft. And I think today's episode is going to be a little bit more Falcons focused because it seems like all indications, although it's smoke season, but all indications seem like the, the two main quarterbacks that we're going to talk about today in Justin Fields and Trey Lance are much likelier to be on the Falcons potential radar and, and options at that number four overall pick if they should choose uh, to, uh, you know, take a quarterback at that pick. But Mark, that being said, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, my friend. Great to be back um, again. My offer stands. I'll throw in Connecticut. Um, if you guys want Maine too, the Maine shore lot is beautiful, particularly in like August, early September. Um, so if that will sweeten the deal for New England to come up to four overall, 
to draft one of these two players, um, just let me know. I'll, I'll, I'll run it up the, uh, the chain of command in New England. Okay. Okay. I, I, today we will definitely get into that conversation right. um, about New England coming up um, in this draft. But uh, let's start things off talking about Justin Fields. And I know much has been made of Fields's quote unquote limitations as a one read quarterback. And I, I feel like that's been thoroughly debunked by almost everybody over the last several weeks. Um, but we spoke earlier this offseason about his needing to speed up his process. And we talked about this in October, and then we talked about it again after the season and seeing progress from him in that. And I know you've done pieces on that talking about his improvement in terms of speeding up his process from his first year as a starter in 2019 to this past year in 2020, particularly using that Clemson game as an example and seeing the differences there. Um, does that sort of development that you've seen over the course of a year give you a lot more optis, optimism that he can even continue to to speed up that process as he gets to the next level? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I'll just sort of take you through my own sort of evaluation of, of fields because last summer when I was doing my sort of, you know, preseason work on him and watching his first year as a starter, you know, I had some reservations about him, not that he couldn't work through reads, not that he is a one read quarterback. It's just, I felt like he was the guy that would get to the right answer on a design, work through his reads, but it would just take a half second too long. And it's, that might work, you know, against the Citadel that might work against Bowling Green, but it's not going to work against Clemson. And it's certainly not going to work in the NFL, you know? So I had some reservations, but then you watch his entire second season culminating, you know, the Clemson and Alabama games, those concerns are now gone for me. Like I, I don't have a worry about him. Can he get faster? Sure. But I think all quarterbacks are going to have to get faster. Even tre- the Trevor Lawrence's, the Zach Wilson's, the Matt Jones, like everybody's going to have to get faster with their mind when he gets to the NFL because the athletes are better on the other side of the football. So of course you're going to have to improve in that area. But this idea that he's a one read quarterback or he can't work through reads or he can't make progression reads, it couldn't be farther from the truth, particularly this past season. I mean, when you when the name Justin Fields comes up, Indiana and Northwestern are usually the first two games that everybody throws out there. Like, oh, well, what about that Indiana game? Okay, well, I watched it. I studied it. I broke it down. You can find it on YouTube. Did he make some bad throws? Yeah. But I think those are more indications that there are moments when he trusts in his arm and his athleticism to, like, bail him out or, like, just, you know, if it's a tight window, oh, I can stick this throw in, like, the first interception in, Indi- in that Indiana game. And I'd rather have a quarterback that's confident than – one who is afraid to make those throws. So I can live with that. But I still, you still see examples of him, even those games where he was so bad and was undraftable or a fourth round grade or whatever people want to say about him, where he's working through reads and doing the things that people say he can't do. Like uh, so much of the discourse about Fields, I've joked before on Twitter that this will be the draft season that ends me. And it's because of the Justin Fields conversation. It's, it's, I, I would bang the table for this kid at one overall, at two overall, like wherever. Like I, he's my QB two in this draft, but it's more like he's one B behind Lawrence's one A. And again, the offer for whatever you guys want, so we can come up from fifteen to draft Justin Fields at four is on the table. Like, does he have to get? Does he have things to improve upon? Sure. Am I confident he can figure that out? Absolutely. Like I see the development from year one as a starter to year two. And I think, man, this is, this is the developmental path you want to see from a quarterback. And I can only imagine what's going to happen, you know, his first two years in the NFL. Now I'm curious if this comparison works for you and the player that when I've watched Justin Fields, he reminds me of, and I know this is a player that you're now familiar with is, is Cam Newton. 
And I, I think of him, Justin Fields, as a more accurate version of Cam Newton. And the, and the version of Cam I'm thinking about is not necessarily the Cam that's now in New England, but I'm going back to that sort of MVP level Cam Newton and the type of player that I'm imagining with Justin Fields developing into is not the sort of one-off outlier MVP season that Cam had, but a guy that can be that level of player on a more consistent basis. And part of the reason I, I see that Cam Newton comp is because of the athleticism, the movement. And when you see him out there being that sort of runner when he, when he wants to be, it, it reminds me a lot. And I've, seen a lot of Cam Newton gashing defenses over the years. Um, It reminds me a lot of that. And I think going back to the point of sort of being maybe, I guess, as some people might call a little methodical in his reads and and something you touched upon, Cam always kind of trusted his arm. So he didn't necessarily have to throw with anticipation, whether he was at Auburn, whether he was at Carolina, I don't think that's as big an issue with Justin Fields, but you see a little bit of that. What do you, what do you sort of think about, Justin Fields, the comp for him being sort of a peak Cam Newton type of player. Yeah, I can absolutely see that, Aaron. I can absolutely see that. And I do think that for some quarterbacks, the arm talent can be at at times a double-edged sword, right? Because you can give a route concept that extra half second because you know if I release this throw, it's still going to get there on time because of the velocity I can dial up. You know, and, and Josh Allen is a prime example of that. You watch Allen at Wyoming, you watch Allen as a rookie, he would wait a ha- extra half step or even a full step on a route concept because he knew if I let this go, it's still going to get there on time. And so the arm can bail me out. And you see some of that w- with Fields, but you also see the athleticism and it just, it just jumps off the film. And again, that is also at times a double-edged sword because you see him think, I can just extend this play. I can run around and make something happen and make some people miss in space. You know, his, his two interceptions against Indiana, the second two of three kind of fall into that category. But I think that's what you're hoping to get. You're hoping to get sort of a, a baby cam. I've heard a lot of people say he's baby cam and I totally see it. Um, you know, the athleticism, you know, the size, the arm talent, like the back shoulder ability, the ability to push the ball downfield. I mean, I think his ideal fit is a more vertical spread-based offense, I think that would be perfect for him, similar to what's perfect for Cam Newton. And so I think the Cam comparison is an extremely apt one. Now, I want to get into the other quarterback in this big five and Trey Lance of North Dakota State here with Mark Schofield as we continue today's Locked On Falcons. But before we get there, guys, I do want to plug the NBA side of the Locked On Podcast Network as we are entering the home stretch of this uh, offset NBA regular season in 2021. And you guys should be checking out your favorite NBA team's daily podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, including the Atlanta Hawks with host Brad Roland checking you out on the Locked On Hawks podcast. Find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. And maybe you didn't get the chance to bet on any NFL, March Madness, or the Masters, but it's never too late because the NBA, the NHL, NASCAR, FCS, college football are all in full swing. And of course, Major League Baseball is back, baby. And it's not just sports. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine because BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Just head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON when you get there, and you'll get 
get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Again, sign up today at betonline.ag. Use the promo code locked on to receive your 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So as we continue today's episode with Mark Schofield, uh, I want to let you guys know that you know that I already have you covered on all things Falcons, but who's got you covered for the rest of sports? Well, host Peter Bukowski has you there with the Locked On Today podcast. It's all the sports news that you need every day in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcast. So, Mark, talking about the last quarterback, but certainly not the least, uh, in this group of the quote unquote big five, we're talking about Trey Lance of North Dakota state. And I constantly hear the narrative that Lance is a guy that kind of needs among this group to sit a year. And I feel like I'm crazy because I feel like he's kind of more pro ready than some other guys. And I'm, I'm wondering, do you see something similar or is it just me? Look, I've, he's running a system at North Dakota state. That's very similar to the Shanahan system. And because being a Falcon fan and seeing that offense and derivatives of that offense being run here in Atlanta over the last five years, I, I might be a little, my judgment may be a little bit clouded there. Uh, do you, is, is Lance's pro readiness entirely based off of scheme fit or does it go back to something you said earlier uh, that he may be a little bit more scheme diverse than, than people give him credit for? Yeah, I, I do think that like there are a couple of offensive systems where he might need to sort of sit for a bit. Like New England, they're like option heavy, like so many route conversions and things like that. Like he might need to see it for a little bit, but I do think he's a lot more pro ready than people give him credit for. And you, you I was giving you the old golf clap when you were walking through that because I entirely agree. Like, you watch him at North Dakota State. You watch that offense. You see what he was asked to do in it. Like, I said last summer, he could walk into San Francisco right now, start week one. Like, he could run that offense. If you want more evidence of that, there are videos available on CoachTube. You know, forty nine ninety nine. you can hear North Dakota State's offensive coordinator breaking down how they involve the fullback and the tight ends in the passing game. And he's breaking down Trey Lance film. And I've spent the forty nine ninety nine, and I've closed my eyes and listened to it, and I can just imagine that's that's he's throwing a college juice check out of the full the full back in the flat, like, and they they told you. And if any of you have yet to watch Trey Lance and you start watching him, and you feel yourself thinking, oh, he's just throwing to the fullback all the time, he's just checking it down. That's his job. You'll hear the offensive coordinator say the fullback's open, take it over and over and over again. That's what he was asked to do. He was just doing his job. But the other thing to remember with Lance, he was given a ton of responsibility at the line of scrimmage. You know, you before Lance's pro day, uh, his quarterback's coach, Randy Hedberg, met with the media. Doug Farrar asked him a ton of questions. And Randy Hedberg was just basically like, kill calls, maybe calls, protections, change of protections, audibles. He was doing all of that. And it's not just that they let him do it. His first start against Butler, uh, you know, redshirt freshman, he sees a blitz look, checks into a quarterback run, and takes it to the house for a touchdown, for a 50-yard touchdown, like as his first start. So it wasn't that they eventually let him do this stuff. They gave him free reign at the line of scrimmage as a redshirt freshman in his first game. Like that tells you volumes about what you think a kid can handle at the line of scrimmage. And so this idea that he might need to sit in some offenses, perhaps, not all, this idea that he needs to learn how to do things at the line of scrimmage. No, he was doing it. And Hedberg said it. He's like, look, the stuff that Easton stick and once we're doing as a senior, we let him do it as a redshirt freshman. Like that speaks volumes to me, man. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I guess one other knock that I've heard on 
Trey Lance is that his accuracy tends to be a little bit erratic. How do you compare him to maybe accuracy wise to other quarterbacks in this draft class? And how much of a concern is that for you? Because I know accuracy has always been one of those sort of pillars when it's come to projecting quarterbacks at the next level. We've the, the old adage has always been, you can't improve accuracy. Um, although there have been some quarterbacks that have been exceptions to that, but it is one of those things where the exceptions to that is a relatively small number. So how much of, of a concern is, is Trey Lance's accuracy in your eyes? I mean, it's a concern, but it's not a massive one, you know, and we've seen a recent example, right? Josh Allen sort of improved the accuracy, you know, and a lot of it was foundational mechanics with Josh Allen that he certainly has worked on. And he deserves credit along with Jordan Palmer for the work that he's doing. I, I think you see a similar you know, bit of progress right now. If you want to watch Lance mechanically from the central Arkansas game to his pro day, you see a better arm slot, tighter mechanics. You see improvement there. Look, Quincy Avery is doing work with them. And so the mechanics are getting better. I also think though, that part of it, Aaron is feel because, you know, you see him miss on some throws, some seam routes, some stuff between the numbers, And you can tell that he's trying to put the ball away from the leverage of the nearest defender, right? Like I remember one place throwing a seam route up the left sideline, trying to hit his tight end. He knows it's single high coverage. So he kind of wants to put it on the back shoulder. So he's protecting his guy and he misses to the outside of the back shoulder. And at first blush, it's like, man, this is a bad throw. But when you start to think about it, it's like he's trying to do the right thing. He's just trying to get that feel for it. So I do think with some more time, some more reps, and some of the work he's doing with Quincy Avery, that stuff's going to get ironed out. Like, are the accuracy numbers concerning on paper? Yeah. But when you start, like, watching and understanding, like, why he's missing on some of these throws, like, why some of the placement seems to be off, it's for a reason. It's not It's not just the simple fact that he can't make these throws. It's almost like he's trying too hard to make them perfect rather than just putting it on a guy. And honestly, like, what's better in the long run in terms of process? Like, if he completes that seam route, but his tight end gets killed, gets hurt, fumbles the ball, and suddenly it's Central Arkansas football, is that better than, like, missing because he's trying to protect his guy? Like, I'd almost rather him, like, have the foresight to protect his receivers than just complete something so people on draft Twitter can feel comfortable about it. Meanwhile, you've lost the football and your tight end's in the hospital. Like, I, I think it can get worked out with him. So it's, it, it's a concern on paper, but I do think the work is in progress to fix it. Yeah, I think it goes back to the point we made on the previous episode talking with you about sort of nitpicking these guys and, and saying things like this is something that differentiates him within this draft class, but may not be as big an issue at the next level once he starts getting into the league and, and, and comparing him with the other 32 quarterbacks or 31 quarterbacks in the NFL. So um, we'll leave sort of Trey Lance conversation there, and I, I do want to talk to Mark about whether or not there's a QB six to join this big five. And then we'll, we'll talk about whether new England uh, might be uh, giving the Falcons a call about moving up in this draft uh, to close out today's locked on Falcons. But before we get there, guys, I do want to plug the MLB side of the locked on podcast network, where even if your team is struggling, like the Atlanta Braves, you can still find a quality daily podcast devoted to your favorite major league baseball team. If you like the Braves, check out the locked on Braves podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. So we know that the Patriots spent a lot of money to add some 
critical parts to their roster this off season. And I've told you guys before that I spent a lot of money to add some critical parts to my car, trying to get my brakes fixed as well as get a taillight replaced. And I didn't need to spend that type of money. Cause I could have just gone to RockAuto.com. They have everything from the engine parts, motor oil, new floor mats, and even the brake parts and tail lamps that I needed. And I could have gotten everything in a few easy clicks delivered to my door for very, very cheap because the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. The same for professionals and do it yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Just go to rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in a, how did you hear about us box? So that they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. So April 19th through the 26th, you got to check out the ultimate mock draft 2021 featuring analysis from NFL experts like Aaron Freeman, Michael Irvin, Jason LaConfora, Aaron Freeman, Michael Lombardi, and oh, some guy named Aaron Freeman. Tune in to hear the local experts for every team making trades and picking the next stars for their team. Subscribe to the ultimate mock draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. So, Mark, every year it seems like late in the process that there's a quarterback and, and some names that immediately jump to mind are Tom Savage, Davis Webb. That, seems, yeah, that yeah. seems to get that, oh, like two, three weeks before the draft. Some teams have a first round grade on this guy and almost always they go in like the third round. Um, and it seems like Davis Mills is going to be that guy this year. But whether we're talking about a Davis Mills out of Stanford, a Kyle Trask out of Florida, Jamie Newman out of Georgia slash Wake Forest, who we talked about previously as a guy on the up, Kellen Mond out of Texas A&M, there's certainly some fans of his out there. Sort of who for you is that guy? Not necessarily as a guy that could sneak into the back end of round one, but for a team looking that misses out on a quarterback in the first round could be definitely looking at one of these guys on day two, who sort of stands out to you as the guy that maybe you would be willing to bet a little bit more money on being successful at the next level. Yeah. And I, I think the, the picks would come out of that group of four, whether it's Mond Mills, Trask or Newman, like those are the four that I think are the most likely to be that, sixth or seventh or whatever quarterback off the board sometime on day two. The idea that Davis Mills is now snuck into the first round is just, yeah, I, I couldn't go there. Um, but as you start getting into like, like we might see a gap from whether it's Trey Lance at nine or something like that overall to like the next quarterback coming off the board late in the second round to early third round. Like there might really be this big gap. I'm, I'm not really buying this like first round or early second round hype that we're seeing with some of these guys. I, I think all four of them offer something that could be intriguing to a team. I think Mon's athleticism combined with his arm talent, combined with I think some ability to make anticipation throws, even under pressure, you know, those are some things that sort of stood out to me when I was watching Mond. He's very high variance, though. Like, he might make an anticipation throw on first down, and then the, on the next first down, he might miss something because he's staring it down and leading the defender to the ball with his eyes. Like, and for a guy that's played as much football as he had at the SEC level, I'd like to see him be a bit cleaner in that realm. 
but I do think that there's some talent there and there's some arm talent there. Um, so I, I think a team's going to be willing to take a flyer on him. Mills is interested. He's barely played. I mean, he's had a checkered injury history, both dating back to his senior in high school and then again, got injured at Stanford. I think a perfect study and a perfect way to encapsulate the Davis Mills experience is that UCLA game where he looked great early. Then UCLA started knocking him around. You threw a couple of disastrous interceptions, which made you want to say, look, I'm, I'm out. I can't watch this kid anymore. But then he comes back and leads a comeback in the final five minutes and they win in overtime. Um, so he's got competitive toughness to him. Um, and I think he can make some NFL throws. But I still think the idea that he's a, a starting caliber prospect, I think he's more developmental guy than starter caliber. Trask probably scheme limited to a West Coast system because of the arm strength. I do think it's a concern with him. Um, he had some weapons around him of Florida, but still made some odd decisions with the football. Seems impervious to pressure. But part of that is because, like Jones, he can't really move that well. He's not a super athlete. Um, but I do think that a team like Chicago, you know, that misses out on a quarterback in the top of the draft, they might look at him and think he can run our offense. And that would make sense for a team like the Bears or even, you know, perhaps the Patriots or the 49ers if they go early on a quarterback, but they want to, like, double down like they did in Washington a couple of years ago um, with the expectation they're going to jettison Jimmy Garoppolo's salary. Um, so that could make – that could work. And then finally, Newman, who I do think is intriguing. I do think it makes some incredible throws. That offense at Wake Forest, where we last really saw him, was at times the most quarterback-friendly offense with RPOs, with some designed shot plays. They even built in pump fakes and things like that to manipulate defenders. But then, Aaron, you see him run these RPO designs where he's like walking towards a line of scrimmage with a football, and it's like now he's like right next to the center's butt trying to make a throw with bodies all around him. I don't know how you do that. It's like they manufactured pressure on this kid, both in a physical and like sort of the figurative sense. But he made it made those throws stick. So I was impressed by that. And I think, you know, if you get into say like round four, round five, and you want to take that shot on a player, roll the dice. I think Jamie Newman would be certainly worth it because you could get him into your offense, get him removed from stuff like that. And you might really like what you see. Now, this is the question that I'm sure many a Falcon fan have been tuning in to listen. They don't care about the quarterbacks. Uh, Mark, you know, I won't, um, let you know, but there's been a civil war on Falcons Twitter for the last several months. Oh, I, and you've been leading the Kyle Pitts charge, my friend. As a matter of fact, I wrote a mock draft at USA Today, and I, I, I name dropped you as, as the the conductor of the Kyle Pitts and Ford train. <laughs> I'll, I'll take I'll I'll take credit for that if they take Kyle Pitts, and I'll completely disavow it if right. they go in another direction. <laughs> um, and I'll have to go back and delete a whole bunch of tweets, but. You know, a lot of people want to see this Falcon team trade back in the draft, and we've seen a team like San Francisco uh, move up in the draft, and Miami got a lot of draft capital uh, to move back from 3 to 12. And when we talk about, and I've talked about this a bunch on Lockdown Falcons recently, you know, to me, the three teams most likely to trade up in this draft for a quarterback were Carolina, San Francisco, and New England. We knew the Falcons were never going to trade with Carolina. They've seemingly... I use air quotes, solved their quarterback issue with Sam Darnold, but that's a whole nother podcast, uh, whether that's real or not. Uh, We know San Francisco has now moved up to three. And so that kind of leaves New England sort of sticking there. A lot of conversation about the Patriots being very aggressive in free agency. They got Cam Newton on another team-friendly one-year deal. 
but no one I think seems to think that Cam is a long-term answer there. Um, so it, it seems like the Patriots are doing unpatriot like things to improve their roster, which may include trading up in the draft where we know that over the Bill Belichick era is not something that they have commonly done. I think I, I read an article today that they, when they've moved up in the first round of the draft, they've never given up anything more than third round pick. Um, so if they were to move up into the top four, you would have to think that they would have to give up multiple first round picks. I, I, all that to say, given that you cover the Patriots, uh, do you feel like that is in the cards for the Patriots? And I kind of already know the answer to this question, but you know, if it's Justin Fields, if it's Trey Lance, there sitting there at four, do you think it's worth it for the Patriots to make such a bold move? I do think it's worth it because you look at what they've done this offseason. They've addressed so many needs, receiver, double dips of tight ends. They're getting Dante Hightower back from the opt-out, you know, adding Jalen Mills, you know, a depth piece in the secondary. I do think the big glaring question mark is the quarterback position. And as much as I, you know, I do think that there is a pathway for Cam to sort of figure it out this season and, you know, be much improved over what it was last year. Um, it's not a certainty, you know, and I, I do think that even if he does figure that out, then you might be in a situation where suddenly you'd have to pay him a big free agency contract because if he has figured it out, he's on a one-year deal, like teams might come calling. Um, so the opportunity to get a quarterback now to act as A, a hedge against Cam and B, the future player if Cam suddenly goes off and now you can't bring him back is a smart move. And Belichick has always been of the mind rather be a year ahead of schedule than a year behind schedule in terms of figuring out the quarterback thing. This is why when they had Tom Brady, they drafted a quarterback like every other year, you know, whether it was Garoppolo or Mallet or Brissett or all of the players they kept drafting because they always wanted to have that potential next guy just in case. And so I do think that it would be worth it. I do think it would make sense for them. You know, if it does go, you know, like we have theorized on an earlier show Lawrence Wilson Jones at three I am going to be running around the house screaming my head off begging that the Patriots can come up and get the four to draft one of those two guys whether it's Fields or Lance because as we talked about who better to mentor say Justin Fields than than Cam Newton and who better to mentor say Trey Lance than Cam Newton they're all both athletic quarterbacks with big arms like it makes a lot of sense that I do think that Cam would be that quarterback that's willing to do that. He had a great relationship with Jared Stidham. I know they were both Auburn guys, but he does seem to be willing to do that mentorship type thing. Now, will they do it is obviously the bigger question. And Michael Barty, you know, that article you you mentioned earlier today that came out, I think, I think it was Thursday of this week, um, talking about how they might not trade up to do that. They don't trade up to do that. That's not a Patriot way. Well, Spending a bunch of money in free agency is not a Patriot way. Now, they had it to do it, and sure, but it does seem like they're doing some unpatriot things right now. And so that tells me that, look, you filled in all these other gaps. What's left is quarterback, and you got to make sure you get it right. And I don't think the guy you want is going to be there at 15. You're going to have to go get that person. So what else are you going to use these draft picks on? I, I know that there's an idea that they need to address corner. Well, corner's kind of deep. You know, and if you give up, say, you know, two future first rounders and, you know, maybe a future second or the pick at 96 or something, you can keep that pick at 46 somehow. You can get a corner at 46. You might even get one at 96, like Ambry Thomas, the kid from Michigan. They could probably play if you're worried about moving on from Gilmore or Jackson or whatever. Um, but you don't have a ton of holes. You have a hole at quarterback. 
You have uncertainty there. It's the most important position in the sport. It's why teams are paying three first rounders for Mac Jones. Like look around the league. Like you've got to figure it out. So if, you know, it's the cost of doing business. So if Justin Fields and Trey Lance are available at four, like go get them. Now, will Atlanta do that? I don't know. Kyle Pitts is a nice little piece. I mean, you start thinking about Arthur Smith, 12 personnel, Hayden Hurst, Kyle Pitts, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, maybe Javante Williams at the top of the second round. I don't know, man. That looks like a pretty good offense to me. That might be tough to pass up. Two future first rounders to figure out the quarterback position at the end of the Matt Ryan deal. That might also be a consideration. So does Atlanta do it? I don't know. Do I hope New England does it? Absolutely. Will I buy a Lance or a Fields jersey if it happens? The second it does. <laughs> All right. So uh, what you're saying is there's a chance. Um, I'm saying there's a chance, my friend. I right. wouldn't rule it out. I mean, Belichick has surprised us these past couple of weeks. I think he's got a couple of wrinkles up his sleeve because let's not forget, let's not forget this. He just saw Tom Brady win a Super Bowl in Tampa. And say what you want about Belichick and Brady and their competitive spirits. Belichick wants to get back to the big dance sooner rather than later. And if he has to take a swing at quarterback to do it, he's going to do it. There you go. All right. We'll leave it at that point. And Mark, I appreciate you coming on for the second time. And I have a feeling that I'll have to bring you back on a little bit later because given what we talked about and it seems like between fields, between Lance, uh, those seem to be the guys that most people seem to think if the Falcons are going to take a quarterback at four, those are the two guys that we're going to have to get into. And, you know, talking about each one of those guys for five minutes is just not doing them justice. So I would love to have you back on in the future uh, to talk, you know, maybe even devoting an entire episode or two uh, to both of those guys. Um, and so I, I hope you are open to doing that, but in the meantime, if not, let the people know sort of where they can find your stuff if they want to get more insight into these quarterbacks, other quarterbacks, or really any players out there in the league because you do a lot of great work. Um, your article from a couple months ago about the future of NFL offense, I think, was a great piece there. Um, but let the people know sort of uh, where they can find your stuff. Well, Aaron, I appreciate that. I appreciate the kind words. Can't say enough kind things about you, my friend. You know, I've known you for a lot of time in this industry. You keep crushing it. I'm a huge fan. And you know, buddy, if I get a chance to come back and talk about Trey Lance and Justin Fields, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to keep telling the people about those two guys because they're great. Um, so I'm game for that anytime. Um, on Twitter, at Mark Schofield, USA Today, Touchdown Wire. You can check out the work there. But the easiest way is on the old Bird app. All right. Mark, again, appreciate it. And I look forward to our future conversations. I, I think this is one of many uh, quarterback podcast that we'll have on Lockdown Falcons over the next uh, several weeks and or months. So uh, we'll see how that uh, all plays out. And uh, I look forward to seeing if Bill Belichick pulls the curveball because you're right. He has been known to surprise us when it yep. comes to the moves that he has made. And we'll see if there's one more surprise up his sleeve uh, at this point in time. But here's hoping my friend. <laughs> all right, man. I uh, appreciate you coming on. Thanks, buddy. All right. Have a good one. You too, man. All right, guys. There you have it. Mark Schofield. And we'll probably have Mark back on probably next week, maybe even the week of the draft uh, towards the end of this month to talk more in depth, probably about Justin Fields and Trey Lance specifically. But we're not done having people come on and talk about the quarterbacks. We got Derek Klassen coming on later this week to talk more about the quarterbacks. But 
For tomorrow's episode, we have a familiar voice coming to you guys. That's none other than Dave Choate of the Falcoholic. We haven't had Dave on since I think early February. And I initially this offseason was planning on have Dave on every month to talk about various things, but March was relatively quiet. So we'll get Dave back on uh, in April to talk about what expectations he has for the draft. We'll just basically pick Dave's brains on where his head is at as far as what the Falcons should do or will do or whatever the case may be in this upcoming draft and maybe even get his thoughts on the quiet free agency there. So that's what is in store for you later this week. We may even have a guest come on later this week to talk specifically about everybody's favorite uh tight end in or offensive weapon in Kyle Pitts as well. Uh, but we got a lot of great draft content coming for you guys over the next what two and a half weeks as we gear you guys up for this 2021 draft class. Uh, so appreciate it guys. If you have any feedback that you want to provide me, then of course you can hit me up on Twitter at lockdown Falcons on Facebook at lockdown Falcons, or you can send an email to lockdown Falcons at mail.com. Appreciate it until then.